0: sports professor Rick Haro, and we are on the record every week this podcast will take you inside the 1.3 trillion dollar business of sports the top deal making issues the top tech issues and the top social responsibility issues plus a blockbuster interview with someone who you might not have heard from in the world of sports but having a profound effect on its impact let's get started Sports professor Rick went on the $1.3 trillion business of sports. You're on the record, and we have a really interesting time. We segue from Final Four, March Madness, to Masters, to baseball to hockey and basketball playoffs down the road and on and on and on. Some really significant issues coming up, and that's why we cover the deal making issues three to one. Three. College betting partnerships might change now. The responsible marketing code for sports wagering, representing major industry players like Fancool and DraftKings is the American Gaming Association. They changed the deal. It could have been impacted the University of Maryland. The AP says just five of those partnerships currently exist. The partnerships between the sports books and the universities. The Senate Bill 620, which wouldn't stop sports book partnerships altogether, but they would restrict them, and the AGA's change might be a good step. Take a look at Points Bet and University of Colorado, and you'll see this is the beginning of a long process. Two. FS1 and FS2 lose more than a million subscribers combined. They're losing them at an alarming rate, a decrease in their overall reach, significant decline of their main sports channel. FS2 also experienced similar erosion as well, drop of 423,000 subscribers during the same time frame for FS2. Tennis Channel MLB Network experienced comparable losses as well. Report released in February said that more than half of the US households now don't have cable or satellite subscriptions, certainly helped the exp- explaining the trend and obviously more work needs to be done to see how this all shakes out. One. San Diego State's Lamont Butler, a hero, Florida Atlantic University first time going to the final 4, not the final 2. Same thing with University of Miami in Connecticut. we have a tournament defying all expectations on the men's and the women's side. The men's tournament ratings bonanza. The women's tournament right behind, way beyond anything anybody could imagine. And the bottom line is, as we go into the next step in college sports, big budget allocation and big numbers when you think about it long term, That's deal-making issue number one. We have somebody that can give us some perspective on the University of Miami, the first time ever in their Final Four basketball program. Didn't get to the final game, but for many, it's a victory anyway, especially when you combine South Florida's business acumen with FAU as well. Enrollment, donations, awareness, obviously big issues as well. Somebody who can testify to this maybe more than anybody else. Chuck Foreman, three-time Super Bowl with the Vikings, one of the 50 greatest Vikings, awarded in 2010, drafted 12th in 73 by the Vikings. But from where? University of Miami. He was a standout high school player at Frederick, Frederick High School in suburban Maryland, a big Earl Monroe fan of the Baltimore Bullets. But guess what? He got to the University of Miami in 1970 on a football scholarship. 1971 had his best run best season ever 951 yards next year they drop basketball but he is better than most to talk about what it means very interesting perspective we're going to talk about you and silky sullivan you remember that name how about that a while ago yeah. uh university yeah. of miami good friend thank you chuck for being here
1: yeah we going way back now uh, my good friend tom sullivan of
0: course he's no longer with us but what a what a great guy he was. Well, um, listen, we'll go down memory lane, and I'm sure not too many people know what the heck we're talking about. But the reason we're doing this today is the University of Miami's unbelievable, unprecedented, unexpected trip to the Final Four. And if right. UConn wasn't such a juggernaut, You know, they'd be playing. We're going to be running this all the way through the spring and summer. But the impact of what a program means to a a, a, and close to a national championship, final four playoffs, football, basketball. But, you know, let's let's talk about your history. Uh, You're a standout basketball player, additional football at Frederick High School and obviously a big time Bullets fan. In addition to the Redskins and Colts, the stories say you patterned a lot of your moves after Earl Monroe. Is that true? Oh, the Pearl Monroe. That's right. That's who, we, that's, that's who we tried to emulate back in those days. He was, wow. You made some decisions about your football career, and you ended up getting a scholarship at the University of Miami uh, right. in 1970, and the rest is history there. But did basketball play a part in your decision? Because in 70, they were just winding down. A year later, they discontinued the program, but you didn't know that. Well, I didn't know that, and I, you know, I had—I didn't think I was going to play. I did play, play my freshman year, but
1: they had a guy on the team named Willie Allen. Of course, he's from down in uh, Gettysburg, Maryland. They, you know, they had some very great players there as far as basketball.
0: Well, but so you know, a few of them, obviously. And I, we all remember Willie. We we down here remember Willie Allen. The country should. He was, I think, the first African American basketball player on the University of Miami basketball team. If I'm correct, is that is that is that right? Yeah. 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 And 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 you know he followed in the footsteps of uh, an amazing individual. Can you imagine uh, anybody uh, shooting free throws underhand today as Rick Barry did in 1964 and 65 with the University of Miami? How was that? That was. Yeah, well, you know, before me, but, you know, Rick Barry was doing it in the pros the same way. But I remember Dinner Key Auditorium. I remember growing up on Miami Beach and playing over at that convention center as well. You know, uh, not only Rick Barry's 12 all-star appearances in his NBA championship, but he I guess he put Miami basketball on the map. But when you think way back, you know, you weren't around for Rick Barry, but you really weren't around in 1926. That's when the school started. And that's, you know, basketball was one of the first uh, handful of, of, of programs and sports that they decided to do because they figured, ironically, basketball would be relatively cheap. You only have five players on the court at the same time. And, and you know, here we are in 71 discontinuing the program. But let's talk about that for a minute uh, in 71. It is ironic. You were playing for Fran Kersey, and you and 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 the dear departed Tom Sullivan. Look at your All stats. Right. Uh, you ran for for 951 yards in '71. In the Sporting News first-team All-American. It was a bittersweet year for the University of Miami. No bowl game. Right? You didn't play in a bowl game, and the University oh. of Miami dropped basketball. Then, how did that year feel for you?
1: <laughs> well, you know, of course, you heard the rumors uh, around campus about them discontinuing the basketball program, football program, you know, it was about to take off. Of course, I always thought the football program was good before I got there. You know, they had Ted Hendricks, they had Tony Klein, they had George Meyer. I can go on and on and on, but those are just the name of the few. And they went to some bowl games and things like that, had a good reputation. I think when we got there, there was a little
0: lull a little bit in uh the win, but certainly as yes, some Yeah, and for fans who may not care about University of Miami, you better, because we're doing it today. And that's that's why uh, this was at a time between uh, Walt Krzyzewski way back when and Charlie Tate and Fran Kersey, but this was before the Jim Kelly, Howard Schnillenberger 1980 put on the map. You're talking about six, seven years before that, and Uh, Some tough times, right? But some enduring times. You had Otis Anderson. You had a few of those guys in the 70s, right? Right.
1: There there were some tough times down there for for a minute. But I think a lot of schools go through uh, periods like that.
0: Were those 80s teams the best college football teams you ever saw? I I thought they were. Um, I mean,
1: they were dominant. They were athletic. You know, they were local for the most part. Uh, I think the guys that grew up in um, South Florida, uh, especially Black Athletes, they always wanted to go to the And then when Howard got there, he started and, and opened up. And he got there, Bray Bellamy got there, Tom Sullivan got there, I got there, Burgess got there. And, you know, I think he set uh, the guys that came in, set the, the precedent of uh, what, it, what you needed to do to be the best because we all graduated. If Ray hadn't been hurt in a car accident, he would have probably been the first receiver off the board. You know, you got Tom Sullivan goes to Philadelphia Eagles, Burgess North goes to, uh, I think, New York Jets, and I go to Minnesota. So the first black athlete down there, you know, I thought, uh, as far as we were concerned, we showed them the way. And and then after that, um, you know, they just brought in a lot of great athletes.
0: And students. So, and, and, and students. I mean, and, and students quite clearly. And look at the academic reputation. We'll, we'll get to that in a minute. Uh, mm-hmm. Did you – so, uh, you know, the heat is created in the 80s. We had the Miami Floridians as an old ABA team back in the 70s. Great guys, George Gervin, Julius Irving. I mean, look at the guys that came in. But right. I kind of toiled in the field of trying to get an NBA team and it was difficult we all knew what failed not what succeeded and right. did you did you miss as a basketball fan playing football down there did you miss basketball down there
1: I certainly did I think we all did I mean then of course you know they had the Floridians down there at the time and I guess the only thing we could do is okay we could go over to Miami Dade and watch those guys play basketball you know uh Dade South or Dade North but you know, there it was. It was an emptiness down at school without basketball. So it was just a, a law after football season. There was nothing else to do.
0: Yeah. Well, so Bill Foster, AD Sam Jankovic, guys bring the team back in 1985. Uh, those of us in South Florida remember November 23, 85. You beat Clemson in overtime, the first time you come back after 14 years, and then you beat Georgia, a tournament team, the next week. You know you're on your way, and then you level set back. And yet Seth Greenberg, yeah, a lot of the guys. It's not easy to recruit, but once you start, and Lareneg has done a really good job. How do you think right. the U has done bringing basketball back? Most people don't even remember it was gone, but pretty pretty seamless, huh? I think it makes the
1: athletic program complete, no doubt about it. The girls' basketball team and. Yeah everything then all the all the programs down there seem to be doing very well baseball's always done, but um you know to to have the the basketball program reach these levels
0: in in this day and
1: time i think it's a great thing
0: yeah and they'll be consistent and he's a great recruiter and he waves the magic wand and people continue to come and so from a well first of all uh do you have any friends who went to the University of Indiana cuz a week and a half ago it was tough the the women beat Indiana and the men beat Indiana basically in the same two days what what do you think of that the proud hurricane oh, huh
1: It certainly was it was um uh, it was great to see and, and experience for our school cuz you know we never done anything like that and especially in the bro- basketball uh, arena and to see that those programs reach the heights that they have uh, here in the last few years and the Cedar football program uh, uh, making its way back to where it needs to be is
0: um, it, it's a, it's a great feeling, it's a good experience. So put your business hat on for a minute. Uh, what do you think long-term a, uh, a final four appearance, let's say does for, uh, you know, donations, enrollment, uh, uh, academics, uh uh you know, awareness, all the kind of business things that are important to a school.
1: I think it I think the basketball team getting to the final four, they've been great. I mean, the last two have been there, but to get to that final four, it's gonna open up the doors to uh a lot of new things. Uh you know, guys are gonna be when they get recruited, mine is gonna be right up in, right up there uh when they start to what the schools they're going to go to, and then when they meet the coach and they see his personality, the way he gets along, and coaches and players, I think that's another another asset that's going to be great for you. Um, I, I just stand in the, the girls' program, the men's program, with taking them, and the attention that it's gotten, you know, with the PR over the last couple of weeks has been outstanding. So I think we're, we're on a right track to be, uh, once again, a dominant. Not only a like football school, but a dominant basketball school in both women's and, and men's sports. So that's exciting because I think, you know, when you look at Miami, you know how Miami, Miami is just a unique place. I love Miami. I like uh, everything about Miami. I think any guy that comes down there, I know when I got to Miami being a recruit, I got down there. I was like, wow. I was blown away with the, the city, the energy in the city, the uh, everything that's available, the fact that it's an international town, and, uh, all the things that are possible. i think we've so, yeah, got everything you need to to bring you guys into on fifth and twelfth games the great city. Uh, so I, I think uh, they're well on the way to be an overall great program.
0: So, one more comment about the the basketball piece of this. Uh, you know, the the Heat 30 some odd years. It's exciting. We, you know, won three championships and on and on. But if you come down to Miami and you're a basketball person, don't automatically mean Laranaga is going to snare you because now, 40 miles up the road, you got another Final Four team. What, you know, now we're the epicenter of the basketball universe kind of overnight. Can, I mean, can you believe it? I, I can't believe it because I remember.
1: No, Florida Atlanta got started, and, and how and how Schnellenberger was a, a part of that too with the program, football program up there,
0: and up there, nice campus and everything. So one more final piece, let you go. Uh, you got your own radio stuff in Minnesota, your celebrity in Minnesota, but let's not leave it without talking about your kids. So you know, I'm Harvard Law. One of them is Harvard Business, which, which you know you don't lead with that. You lead with your football. Kids and how successful a, a pro was. My producer, who's in Nebraska, was excited because he's now going to meet uh, Jay Foreman's dad. Well, there's another there's another part of this. So uh, yeah, yeah, just just uh, uh rail on your kids. Talk about talk about your kids for a minute. I got two girls, Gianna
1: and, um, and Andrea. They they do well too, and and uh, Jay of course played at Nebraska, All American and played in the NFL. And I got Nick me uh, the son, he did really, really well also. He played at the University of St. Thomas here in Minnesota, which is academically one of the top two in the country. And they just you know, uh they're the Big One football program now, and he was an all-American there too. So, you know, my kids have been really well on uh in school, on the on the court or on the field and very proud of all of them, and, and certainly, you know, and just in this day and age, you know, he's. Just, I'm happy to see where they are and what they've accomplished and where they're going to go.
0: So I, I guess, could ask you, I I could ask you because I told my producer I would, but I'm not going to put you on the spot. You know, I could ask you, why you let that kid go to Nebraska and let him out of the University of Miami's grips, but I, I'm not. I, you want to you want to take that on, or you just want to pass? i will take it on. Uh, Miami
1: and at the time didn't work hard enough. Ah, then when there he, you go. When he, when he went to on his recruiting trips, he went to UCLA, he went to a lot of places. But anyway, when, when he went to Nebraska, you know, and, and he came back home, and he we had to, we were talking and stuff. And he said, you know what, Dan? I'm going to cancel all the rest of my trips. I mean, what do you mean, going to go to Miami, right? Nope. Because I'm going to Nebraska. And then I said, well, why do you do that school? And he says, well, you know, they graduate 90% of their players. I was like, okay, now this is a football team. But he, at the overall program he liked, and then he liked the, you know, you got things 90,000 people or whatever it is in the stadium stadium uh at every game. He, he just really liked uh everything about the and Certainly I did too. I mean, it was uh, when the coaches came in and talked to us uh you know they sold it. They definitely sold it. So it, was, it was uh it was, and plus it's a great college town. So
0: Well Chuck Foreman was obviously a very important part of the University of Miami's football growth before Howard Schnellenberger and Jim Kelly and the national championship teams. Jimmy Johnson but obviously somebody who knows basketball and who knows business, uniquely qualified to talk about all of this. Thank you, Chuck Foreman. Let's talk about the sports gambling minute as we normally do. LSU could cost sportsbooks money in the most bet final Four women's basketball game and tournament in history. A lot of $100 bets, $50 bets, they add up. A $500 wager by a Louisiana bettor early in the season at 61 odds. 30 grand and obviously lsu surprised a lot of people not kim mulkey but everybody else on the way to their national championship gambling winners beyond what anybody could have thought that's your sports gambling minute now your sports minute sports technology investments reach 90 billion dollars in 2022 Microsoft activation takeover of it helps M&As reach about 78 billion in deal value the most active venture capital firms A16Z Elysian Park Courtside Ventures HBSE Ventures Quarter 4 most active in that space fan engagement will continue to be an area of focus as will artificial intelligence and ticketing and venue management that's your sports tech minute as we normally do good sports time Stephen Curry Under Armour sign a new long term agreement revenue targets are now key very important Falk College and Whitman School launch a dual degree in sports management and business focusing on NIL we saw it coming and here it is Joe Mutsgrove gives the Padres teammates new watches on opening day how about that Max Verstappen wins a messy Australian Grand Prix and the charity that goes along with it. Potter files fired six months after Chelsea's gamble backfires. The manager, Graham Potter, it'll be a bleak year for them, but they'll come back big next year and the Premier League top of mind for everybody. And that's your Good Sports Minute. We'd like to thank you for listening and watching and join us next week when once again we go on the record. Sports Professor Ricardo, speak with you soon.